No Gods, No Monsters contains spoilers, profanity, and substance use. In that city, Hans, Mr. Hooper, you've been counting money all your life. All right, all right, hey, I don't need this. I don't need this working-class hero crap. You're not going to do this aboard the ship, are you, Mr. Quinn? Maybe I should go alone. If you were to spend your life hunting your demons, what would you be hunting? Charlie has to answer first. Well, he had his what hand What kind up. of question are you going to... That's a crazy question to just spring on someone. <laughs> <laughs> I guess myself, because I'm my b- b- own biggest enemy with my anxieties and um, fears and uh, my... Uh, that, that, that the voice inside me, I would hunt that voice down, and I would put a a barrel of oxygen in its mouth, and I'd say, <laughs> "One more word, buddy. One more word. Just try me." And damn, yeah. Uh, also, Satan, because I want to do things for Jesus. Very wise. I mean, I don't know. I might have to take Satan's side on that one. I mean, yeah, I didn't I just establish that Jesus is in the room with me? That was off mic, but uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was off mic. It's not canon. Uh who's next? Shit. If Oh if, wait, wait, wait. If I were to be. I'd hunt rabbit, that's my demon. Okay, go. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, almost i almost got out of there safe <laughs> okay so again if because this is not actionable this is not a threat okay but if i were to be hunting demons i'd be hunting cops i mean <laughs> i feel like it's like the literally I, I i've been i've been very fortunate in my life in like a lot of ways but perhaps the most unfortunate is the only thing that's like in the realm of the traumatic as people talk about it for me is police stuff. Police you know, freak me out. And if I were to spend my life hunting my demons, that'd probably be it. Damn. <laughs> I mean, calling them demons almost feels too cool. Yeah. Like, I, there's I don't so like much that. lower. But I, I mean, but then the again, we call them there. pigs and pigs are pretty cool. True. Yeah. Um, Man, we should have ended with that one. Uh, if I were to hunt my demons, I think it would be the thing that something put inside me that will never leave that tells me that everything I do has to be for something. Like, even if I'm just relaxing, it's to, like, accrue relaxation or it's with, like, a movie mm-hmm. so that I'll know this certain thing better and be able to have more discussions about it. Like, productivity, capitalist, that shit. I, like, just wish I could hunt it and kill it and know what life was like before that you know um, for sure but i can't yours were both much more existential and interesting than mine yours was a better one to add and die. <laughs> all right well welcome to no gods no monsters we're the anti-capitalist kaiju and monster movie podcast in a world where no one's coming to save us i'm rabbit here as always with charlie and 
here as always with Barto. Um, this is the first what? Uh, episode where Barto's just fucking here always. We're not going to put a little FT by your name anymore. Hell no. Get me out of there. Yeah, you're, you're now you're safe uh, from the title, whatever that is. Yeah, well, you are officially our first ever, but definitely far from last, new co-host. <laughs> does that mean we're gonna you're you're planning on replacing me or does that mean no. we're just gonna keep adding baby become a larger and larger larger baby that sounds great until seven of us talking over each other the idea is to get everyone who's ever on the show to just never leave until there's so many of us skype can't even handle that many windows <laughs> and sick. that's how we shut down Skype once and for all. <laughs> Don't tell them the long game, Charlie. Oh, shit. <laughs> Your podcast, our, our our podcast becomes a series of breakout rooms that people are we're zooming between them. The hell yeah. The listener is like the the facilitator going between jumping in in the middle of conversations and hell yeah. Yeah. That sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for being here. We're we're stoked to have you along. Uh, and today we're talking about 1975's Jaws, wow. uh, which was just released, re-released in theaters just for like a weekend, right? Uh, like a week, oh, but yeah, I think it's still in theaters right now, but not by the time people are listening to this. Oof. Because I was Sorry, thinking about no. seeing oh, it in yeah. 3D again this week, but I don't think I... Just the money. Yeah, I, it would be cool, but like I gotta, I'm looking at apartments, and I just need to be saving up money more. And it was like fifteen dollars. I I've been my my online buddy is seeing it right now in an IMAX theater that is empty except for him, Oof. and I'm I'm feeling a lot of uh, jealousy, FOMO in that. Mm. I'm sorry, there's going to be more to come because I think Charlie and I are going to talk about our experiences with that. Yeah. Uh, FOMO, but... no, another no. demon that we should hunt. <laughs> That's true. Uh, before we That's get true. into that, Charlie, can you tell us what this movie's about for the people who've never seen Jaws? Yeah. Now I'm afraid you're going to get mad at me. Definitely. <clears throat> Barto, this one's for you. Brody is a cop who overdosed on jailing people of color in New York City. Finding himself in need of rehab, he was sent to police the small white Oceanside community of Amity. However, his first summer there is going to take one large bite out of his psyche. As the season is starting up, a young, free-love, dirty hipster lady is eaten up by a shark. Presumably, the shark is trying to get all the weed that she has so obviously consumed. Now having an eternal case of the munchies, the shark has no other choice but to stay around the waters of Amity, munching up all the food that they can get a hold of. Brody insists that the mayor shut the beaches down, but he refuses to because that would hurt the local economy too much as they rely on summertime beachgoers. A worthy trade snickers the evil, all-consuming force that is capitalism. But eventually the shark's munchie spree gets to be too much, so the mayor relents and closes the beaches, sending Brody off with cool as fuck shark expert Hooper and Quint the eccentric expert fisherman. Unfortunately for them, having his marijuana buzz cool off, the shark is in no <laughs> mood for the harassment, and he shows where the movie's title comes from as he bites apart the way-too-small boat and bites apart the way-too-tasty Quint. 
Brody, fantasizing that the shark is actually a non-white child, sticks an oxygen tank in its mouth and shoots it, blowing up the shark. Hooper also lives. The end. When some people think of this movie, they think of the line, you're going to need a bigger boat. But when I think of this movie, I think of the line, I'm going to need a bigger screen. That's right. It's Jaws and IMAX, baby. (laughs) Hell yeah. Well, Charlie, as you know, I'm always mad at you. That's kind of our bit. I try to keep us on course. You try to sabotage it. That's why we're a lovable duo. And so, yeah, still mad. Nothing changed. It was a good intro. Okay. I I I hadn't read this as as a a shark like just tromping around his Seven Eleven at midnight for <laughs> for two and a half hours. You need to I think more critically cool. about cinema. <laughs> I'm learning a lot already. I love this. All right, awesome. Yeah, you probably couldn't have. Uh, you've never seen an IMAX, so you probably couldn't see that uh, she had marijuana coming out of her. And there was like a, a little scene of the shark in the background um, saying, yeah, man, this rules. But it's, it's easy to miss if you're not, if you're watching it on a regular screen. Um, so, Charlie, you saw it on IMAX. Yes. What was that like? Well, first of all, I don't think I've ever seen a movie in IMAX, except for like when I would take field trips to like the science center when i was a kid and we'd see like nature documentaries yeah. on imax i think this is my first time seeing something like that. maybe i'm forgetting something so it was that's that's a that's a big screen they got going there huh uh, you tell us yeah it's a big screen um and now i i think i sat maybe one maybe two rows closer than i would have if i knew how big the screen was because like i kind of had to move my head a little bit and you really want to get in that perfect position where you don't move your head at all um yeah but like you're just in the verge of moving your head so now i know the placement um, even even hmm? even the most uh, exciting movies if i'm not a little bit uncomfortable i'm gonna fall asleep like that is my that is my my burden yeah i, I want to be too too rose too close I'm that's because really... you're eating too many hippies Barto. yeah you can't eat hippies before ever even little hippies. tiny ones before every movie <laughs> <laughs> um oh but uh anyways yes it was it was cool it was awesome seeing that i mean that's a big ass shark and that's a big ass <laughs> screen and that makes this shark even bigger so it was pretty cool that's legit. I would definitely recommend it. Um, but the one thing that would have made it better is that that shark was coming out the screen at me. What do so, you think about that, Rabbit? So that's the thing. I So I think of 3D movies as being kind of hokey, you know, like, whoa, mm-hmm. it's coming at you or something. And I definitely expected the shark to be the main attraction of the 3D. And it was exactly the opposite. The shark, mm. The second half had far less 3D effects than the first half. But it was really awesome. It was like super elegant. Like it just yeah. was done very tastefully where you just kind of felt like you were part of the scenes. And I fucking loved it. Like I was both me and uh, Bracken who went to see it. Bracken was like, man, I like I didn't know 3D movies could be like that. I don't I don't know if either of us had seen seen many. But like when I was watching it, I was like, I want every movie to be like this. Like it's just like you're in a the the room with a bunch of people and the people who are close to the screen feel like they're in front and the people in the back feel like they're in back and that doesn't seem like much but it just added this cool realism and i guess 
because it hadn't been made for 3D, there wasn't any shot perfectly set up for Jaws to be like in the middle of the screen coming at yeah. you. So I don't think there was a single one where that was a factor. But things gotcha. like that makes the, sense. It, yeah. Oh, sorry. It couldn't be gimmicky because exactly they didn't shoot it with that in mind. So totally. <laughs> any part that would have been yeah, gimmicky and using that, they couldn't really. Yeah, it wasn't really shot for that. So it makes sense. I, I've seen two 3D movies. Okay. Um, Toy Story 3, which was beautiful. Nice. I actually, I was so high. And when my friends came on my 3D goggles, my old friends from so many years ago, yeah. I cried a little Hell bit. I yeah. was so moved. That's awesome. Uh, but also I saw Prometheus. Oh, cool. Um, which was extra awesome because I had my little one hitter in the movie theater and just kept, you know, but it was sort of the same way where it was like when you're in, a space you like feel like the people closer to you are closer to you totally but also like during that sandstorm oh uh, yeah or the yeah what whatever it is i don't know if it's sand but um i think so was one of the coolest things i've ever seen on screen That's was awesome. prometheus like, was it shot for i've never seen prometheus was it shot to be seen in uh 3d i mean obviously I mean, the movie as was a whole like, wasn't there was the wasn't shot with that intentionally, but uh, was it? They still put it out in 3D, so was it something that they had actually planned when they were shooting it at all? I I guess I would imagine I mean, so. They released both cuts at mm -hmm. the same time, but I'm sure they thought like while they were filming it, like oh, this would look cool. But oh, I want to see that. Ridley Scott, I think, is just good enough of a th filmmaker to realize that like. A xenomorph poking his head at the screen or whatever would look pretty corny. Yeah, I've yeah. I've definitely seen some movies in 3D, but I can't remember what was the first Doctor Strange in 3D. Maybe that one. Um, I don't know. Uh, I have seen Craftwork twice in 3D, um, including Whoa. recently. That, that's, that's pretty cool, cool but uh, kind of a different experience. Well, yeah, I was stoked. Like there were some shots. Like when we get to favorite shots it would be hard for me to say if they would be cool without it because they were so cool with it. I'm just going to spoil it. Like the one where the dead body with the crabs crawling all oh, over it, yeah. eating it looked so cool. It was so fucking cool. Like I can't even explain it. So I was stoked on that. To be um, fair, that shot also looks cool and not in 3d. Nice. Um, but it's not 3d when it's not in 3d. Um, but Barto, I appreciate that you were the martyr. We needed somebody from all perspectives and you just, you, pulled the short straw and decided you know most of our listeners won't have watched it in 3d or imax so you get to have that perspective how did you watch it yeah. you watch it in 4k right <laughs> i mean i watched it from um one of those uh streaming sites that gives you viruses and uh but it was like it was a pretty high quality one okay. it was definitely streaming in like at 720 nice you know so i, <laughs> oh, yeah. I was uh, so I, I felt pretty good about the whole thing. Fuck I it. thought I it was probably my best viewing experience of Jaws ever. Nice. My, so we're all kind of in the same boat here. Hell yeah, and definitely. Just, I think we're going to cool. need a bigger boat. Um, <laughs> I, I watched it in 4K on my second watch, but I don't have a 4K TV, so it wasn't actually in 4K. Is that even watching Jaws then? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> I still don't know what 4K looks like or is. Is that just how many like pixels there are? I I'm not smart on the technology aspect. I just know it's a, the better. It's 
you know, in the way Blu-ray is a step up from DVD, um, 4K is just much better picture than, uh, um, than Blu-ray. I just but, assumed because 3Ks is really bad that 4K was even worse, so I've stayed away from it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's just me. Whatever. We can't all have moral compasses. Oh, I. so did you hook your... Did you watch it on a laptop screen or did you um, hook it up to a TV or even a projector? No, I, I, I did not use my... Uh, Terrible laptop stream that I, I <laughs> oh, shared yeah. with you yeah, all. Right? That's really good you didn't. <laughs> I think we'd have to kick you off the episode if you had. No, I would um, I would love your gumption if you did. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. No, it was it was a fine watch. It was a uh smooth and good watch. I I fucking love this movie. I'm I mean if someone was like, I'm going to, I shot a bootleg of like another TV playing the VHS tape of this uh, in, in 1994 or whatever, <laughs> I, I'd i be like, yeah, fuck it. Let's watch Jaws. Totally. You know? I, um, it, I actually wanted to ask you about that. So for this movie, we decided since it was your first episode as a co-host that you should choose. You gave us a list of a few movies and we decided on Jaws. But is there any reason in particular why you picked Jaws or it's just like an all-time you know film that you like that and uh, did you know it was being re-released right now or was that a coincidence that was a coincidence I had no idea that, that was awesome because I was already like looking up at show times and like trying to figure out what what night I'd go so I was like oh hell yeah this can be like two birds with one stone um I was, I was very, very thankful I would not have gone and seen that. I had to drive to like a farther city, but it was so worth it. I really appreciated that timing. Hell yeah. I want, I'm so glad it worked out for, for you two. Oh yeah. And thank <laughs> you, you know? again yeah. for taking the, the martyr position. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, but, uh, no, it's not like, so I just watched Jaws like a month ago and, um, I've just sort of been like on a Spielberg kick recently. <laughs> I've decided that Spielberg is good. There's lots of bad, but, um, or like not even bad, but like not great. Yeah. Particularly that sort of from Jaws to like, I've never seen Schindler's List actually. So I'll say <laughs> Jurassic Park is just like so much fucking gold in there. It's such, yeah, such magical movies. Um, I'm actually very unfamiliar with Spielberg. Um, I mean, when I was a kid, obviously I watched like Indiana Jones, Jaws, you know, all Jurassic Park. But in recent years, like since I've been of like actually more paying attention to movies, like the only one I've really watched, I think, is Close Encounters. Oh, um, you gotta see Ready Player One, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and then I watched uh, AI recently. I've never seen AI. AI was fucking. It was fucking awesome. Oh, really? I shit like AI because I love Kubrick. Um, yeah. And I, I went into it being like, I'm ready to be mad yeah. about the things that I see are like so Spielberg and not so Kubrick. Mm -hmm. I'm like so ready to be mad about that. And I was not. I was just like, this is fucking sad and beautiful and sweet and nice. all those things that like he's really, really good at. Um, and it's like the only, it's a rare Hollywood movie that like, has a sex worker in it who like is awesome Sick. and it's just like not weird that they're it's like a gigolo robot hmm. it's cool gigolo yeah, robot yes okay well Definitely. now you made it weird oh shit <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, I've been, I watched Close Encounters again recently. Like, one of my, we're talking about that one eventually on here. I've never uh, seen that movie. Bring that. <sighs> it's Dude. really good. I, 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 was, I had this mindset that I don't like Spielberg, even though I hadn't seen him for years. There's this kind of like saccharine sentimentality that my brain automatically associates with him. But then I watched, yeah, Close Encounters, and I was like, oh, no, this is great. And then Jaws, like, oh, this is great, too. So I'm wondering if that's just a uh, misremembered um, conception of Spielberg, or maybe that's just more of his, more towards the movies that you see as a child, um, like the Indiana Jones movies and um, uh, E.T. So I'm wondering if... um, if I rewatch those, if I have that same feeling, but I got that feeling from Poltergeist, which is a Toby Hooper movie. But um, there's that rumor that Spielberg ghost directed it, and you definitely feel mm-hmm. Spielberg's influence mm-hmm. on it, and it gives me that overly sentimental kind of feel to he, it. He writes families and family dynamics mm-hmm. like better than like just about anyone I've ever seen. For like, I should say for like the type of family. Like at least adjacent to one I grew up in. Okay, he like writes that kind of family. You know, like my parents didn't fight as much as the parents in Close Encounters of the Third Kind did. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that scene where she's in, where he's in the shower and everyone is screaming at each other, is like such like this n- nasty, very real moment that like I don't. I've seen it on film, like, maybe, like, The Sopranos kind of does that pretty well. Mm-hmm. But, like, not too many other things. And the last example I'm going to give before we get to talking about it later, maybe, in Jaws, is um, that scene in E.T. where um, he calls his brother penis breath at the <laughs> dinner table. Um, and there's this, like... It's just them yelling at each other about, like, what Elliot's seen and <laughs> the older brother calling him a dork and them fighting and escalating and then him calling him, yelling at him and calling him penis breath and the mom, like, cracks this little laugh and then scolds <laughs> her son. It's, like, the most, that is the most natural family scene, like, I've, I think I've ever seen in cinema. And Spielberg's got this sort of reputation as being, like, a, populist filmmaker or something mm-hmm. which is i think why you probably and why i sort of dismissed him for like a long time yeah probably He's supposed to make like hokey movies but they're they're magical Hell yeah, yeah. Maybe. i mean first ever uh box office uh or summer blockbuster right here baby mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then perfected it with indiana jones <laughs> So, Barto, you mentioned that uh, Spielberg is like the liberal director par excellence. I mean, what does that mean? What do you what do you mean by that? I just sort of mean that, like, he has a lot of faith in institutions, like the institutions that exist. And he also has faith, like. So the, the best way I think about it is in Jurassic Park 2, the basic premise is that InGen, the company, has gone bad. Okay. Like, they're no longer benevolently benevolently trying to open a nice dinosaur park. They're bad now. And the only people who can stop these rich guys is through the funding of another rich guy. Yeah. You know, to go to the island and give them lots of toys to work with. And, like, basically, 
Um, there's always there's always someone like the state or uh, a new journalism or there's like some sure, institution that is going to be um, going to help resolve I wonder the if, problem. I wonder if that had influence over uh, in the first Jurassic Park turning Hammond into like a well-meaning person because in the book he's just a fucking bastard. Um, I think that's is totally that the, correct. Is that Interesting, the old dude? Yeah. I also, well, I also think Hammond is Steven Spielberg in Jurassic Park. I, I have, it, I have a lot of thoughts about Jurassic Park. Never seen him in the same place at the same too. time. <laughs> is Hammond, um, uh, Richard Attenborough? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. Okay, interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but that makes sense. Um, also makes sense why he's so goddamn popular. Because you know, in the end, if the if you can still rely on the the system or whatever, that's that's a nice, comforting family blockbuster feeling. Indiana Jones is another good one. Like he's keeping the relics out of the hand of the bad. Uh, I mean, the Nazis eventually, but yeah. like the bad archaeologist who wants to do nefarious things with them. He's robbing temples so that he could give them to a museum. Yes, they belong you know, in a museum. And get and get paid handsomely. That comes up a lot, too. Okay. But Wild. Yeah. I think Spielberg has this very distinct, not distinct, it's very normal, but like it's very particular worldview that comes through in like tons of his movies. And I think this is one of them. Interesting. That's it's hard for me to like, like, I don't know how much influence he has over scripts. I'm assuming a shit ton now, but back then it's maybe it's cause he's picking the movies that are like that already. Or I don't know. Uh, he's, he's involved in a lot of script writing. He's, he's pretty involved in like the whole creation process of most of his movies. I thought you were going to call him a liberal because of Munich. Um, I never seen you Munich, know, so I don't. I saw it once. I don't know if that joke makes sense, but <laughs> I don't know either. Same. I don't remember anything about it. It's it's about uh, if I remember correctly, it's about um the Palestinians assassinated uh, Israel Olympian um yes. athletes, and then it's about the assassins that uh, Mossad sends after them. Someone told me recently that I should rewatch Munich because it's actually pretty dope. Yeah, it's supposed to be really good. Like, like, uh, like a good lefty buddy told me that. I uh, this but. is making me think of Minority Report, where like you know the system starts to not work of the future police, but the one cop is the one who will save, fix it. You know, like we can still rely on the cop. Well, and the other thing is the big turning point in that movie is he goes to arrest the guy he thinks is uh like the the guy who kidnapped his son yeah um breaking the the what are they i forget what they're called but the prediction yeah the the report and he reads him his um miranda rights he reads him his miranda rights yeah and it's just like actually steven spielberg thinks the thing we got now is just fine yeah and this, you know, this minority report shit's going too far, but I forgot. I forgot he directed that. I've never seen that, but uh, I've read the story a few times. 
It's not a great movie, but it's a fun time. Like, I enjoy watching it. Mm. I watched it not that long ago. It's, you know, it's fun. Whatever. I I bet seeing it for the first time, it would be pretty cool. Yeah. Like, just second second watch, I know what's going on. Less fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, I've read the story a few times, but I don't know how faithful it is. It's definitely stretched, I believe, beyond that. Yeah, um, it was because it wasn't a novel. Is uh, yeah, wasn't that long. Well, uh, let's talk about this other fucking Steven Spielberg movie, Jaws. Like in general, before we get into the like what it means. I mean, Barta, you said you like this movie. You said, I mean, you just like it's fucking I fucking love this movie. Mm. Fucking rules. I don't know. There's lots. Uh, I think there's lots to think about in this movie. Um, like the messages, the, the fact that there is a message feels like very clear to me. Exactly what the message is does not feel very clear to me. I definitely did not leave the theater thinking, wow, that was deep at all. And so I'm excited to like play around with seeing what some of this stuff means. Cause that's exciting to me. I, uh, well, first, let me ask you, Charlie. What What did you think of this movie? What do you? I mean, have you seen it a lot? Was What was your theater experience like in no, IMAX? Um, I mean, I've I've seen it as a kid, but like I don't remember anything. Like I kind of remembered the scenes and shots, like in the back of my head, and I I knew parts of uh, dialogue and stuff that are just you know out in the culture. But um, yeah, I I'm pretty unfamiliar with this movie overall. Um, yeah. So seeing it on the big screen and, you know, ever since I was a little kid, it was, it was awesome. It was a great time. I, and it's just, it's so interesting to think that this is the first ever summer blockbuster and compare it to modern blockbusters. Um, cause it's just such a different beast in like yeah. every way, just like how much our culture has changed and movies have changed, popular movies have changed in terms of, uh, you know, pacing, editing, and um, I everything. It's just yeah. so weird to think of this as a big blockbuster. But it was really neat. There was, um, in the road uh, right below me, there was like this seven, seven to ten-year-old girl and then her little brother. And then they had grandparents and parents a couple rows ahead of them. And at the end of the movie, the girl kind of leant over uh, towards her grandparents and parents and she was like, I really liked that movie and I was not expecting that the whole time I was thinking like, man, I wonder what these kids think. This is probably so different than everything else that they consume on a regular basis. Uh, That's so that so was funny because just... my theater was us and then two other groups and it was grandparents with their younger kids trying to show them Jaws. <laughs> and at the end it was like, what did you, oh, like, well, what do you think? Was it scary? And they were like, yeah, it was scary. It was cool. Like really stoked. It was like so wholesome. That, it was great. That's, that's so neat because yeah, I mean, I just think, yeah, like I said, there's, this is nothing like what they're exposed to on top of that. Just like attention spans now just based on, um, you know, so much based around our phones and stuff. It, it's, it's, uh, I was just wondering the whole time, like, how does this movie translate to modern audiences? Uh, so that was there's a, cool. There's also tits in the first scene. I know. Like, it's really that is PG. A, <laughs> yeah. And, and there's a, the, the scene where he's stressing about sharks in the book and his <laughs> wife comes up and is like, want to get drunk and fool around? Yeah. You know, like, 
That would never, that would well, never be, well, you know, like imagine that in uh, the new Jurassic World movie. Like that would be mind blowing. Sure. <laughs> well, PG-13 didn't exist. So yeah. it had to be between PG and R, um, which PG-13 was created around other Spielberg uh, produced movie. <laughs> another great. Which one? Yeah. Another great. Gremlins. Gremlins. Oh, okay. Gremlins nice. and there was yeah. something else. I can't remember that came that's out so the funny because it does but, seem like yeah. kid oriented that makes sense that's funny yeah um they're like this isn't enough to be r but definitely isn't pg yeah um, i think spielberg was also like i don't make r movies uh, yeah okay. and he's so influential they're like okay let's that's so funny else. <laughs> yeah um i feel like i had a similar perspective to you charlie where i hadn't seen it as a kid and i remembered it wrong like in my mind mm-hmm. They go, we're going to need a bigger boat, and they go get a bigger boat. That's what, like, I kept waiting for that to happen. <laughs> I didn't know that was a comedy part. I, I, in my head, that was like, that was like this very serious thing. Like, oh shit, this is a big shark. We need to get a bigger yeah. boat. But in the context of the movie, it's, it's a joke that this guy is afraid of the water. It's just freaking out. Um, oh, I, I, I guess I read it a little differently, but I see what uh, you mean. Yeah, it, it wasn't him literally saying, now it's time to get a bigger boat. Like, I absolutely had a false memory of that happening, and I kept <laughs> waiting for it. Um, but, man, this movie is just a banger start to finish. Like, it is mm-hmm. so good. It looks fucking great. The music, of course, John Williams is great. The acting is fucking awesome. There's a cop as the main guy. That's the only thing I can fault it for. It has, like, incredible buildup. I know, like, the... I feel like we all know the story. It's, like, such a pop culture story of how the shark Mm -hmm. wouldn't work in salt water. And so that's the only reason that he didn't use it for so long in the movie. And that's why there's such great tension building. But, like, it's so good how you don't see the shark for so long. Once the shark comes in, it's a little bit lackluster. Like, it's a little bit old looking. But it's still incredible. Like... This movie fucking rocks. Shark looks better than any of the CGI stuff we've watched on this podcast. Sure. It looks so good. I was so... Oh, man. I couldn't... I don't know. It just... That took me out of it. That was the only thing that took me out of it. I don't... Sharks look so fucking alien. Sure. On their own that, like, you you show me pretty much anything... It, I could be like, yeah, I guess that it wasn't. Be a it wasn't that the look. It was just that it was like <laughs> with his jaw open and closed. But it wasn't like Dude. bad. It just wasn't as good as the rest of the movie. That was like as good as it can get. You know, there was I think like one shot maybe where it kind of like took me out of it that it, it looked uh, mechanical um, and fake. But for the most part, I thought the shark was excellent looking. Nice. But, I'm also a much bigger sucker for practical effects stuff, so that sure. could also play into that. Was the shot that took you out of it when he hops on the boat? Yeah. I love I love it. It's so funny. <laughs> oh, it's very funny, but you're definitely like, oh, that's not a real shark. <laughs> yeah, a shark can't do that. And oh, he's not one that big. That uh, that famous jump scare where the head falls through the hole, I had totally forgotten about, and it got me hard. Oh, it like, got me so good. <laughs> yeah, it really got me. Um, yeah. Yeah, this fucking movie rules, and it's just beautiful to look at, and the pacing is fucking awesome, and you really... It's just the right pacing where you, like, you're feeling like you're in the main character's role. They do such mm-hmm. a good job of, like, of course we need to shut down the beaches. And then you hear enough stuff that you're, like, kind of like, oh, we should, but all, we probably can't. 
just to right where when the woman's like yelling in his face at how horrible he is or not yelling but whatever uh admonishing him you're like oh man like i see why he made that decision and i see what he's feeling right now like i'm feeling it in that movie it's fucking well done it is i mean it feels you know like in a post-covid world like obviously all, all these jokes have been made but like you lose a little bit of the uh, I, at least I lost a little bit of sympathy I had for the idea that sure you shouldn't, you know. But uh, but yeah, you're totally right. Like yeah. they they state the mayor's case, even though he's like clearly like kind of like a almost a cartoonish villain with his <laughs> silly suits and stuff yeah, like that. That's a first. They suit. still like they still make you uh, sympathetic to his position yeah it's not even it's like the fact that oh i see that from brody's position with this little bit of evidence where we don't actually know for sure what's happening that like it would be really hard like we should probably wait for one more piece of evidence even though i really think we should shut it down like it you know what i mean even though i'm like this fucking mayor sucks i hate him (laughs) capitalism sucks look at this shit but i don't know yeah yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, capitalism sucks, but also this is a whole community of people that, you know, they have to live by capitalism and yeah. their lives, their livelihood depends on the beaches being open. So totally. Yeah. Well, speaking of capitalism, uh, I don't know. Capitalism, this movie, that to me seems like the surface level read that I got is like not necessarily capitalism is bad, but man, if it wasn't for the business shit this wouldn't even be a threat we don't have to go in the water for a few days till we figure this out right yeah i just want to say if anybody asked me if i had a demon that i wanted to hunt i'd tell them capitalism just straight up nothing else would cross my mind that makes sense it's been written like all this is basically the only thing i don't know anything about the production of jaws i've purposely not read what anyone else was writing about jaws because um I don't, i'm sure i'm going to retread old ground but um the one thing that is widely written is that this was uh castro's favorite hollywood film at least for a while and considered it like a distinctly marxist film and i maybe but i had never wild. heard that until until you brought that up um yeah, that's crazy. That's that's pretty neat. Distinctly um, Marxist seems like a stretch to me. I know. It, it makes me wonder <laughs> how uh well he was how how well read he was in in film. Like uh, maybe he just only saw the Marxism, occasional movie really. so. Yeah. Like, yeah. I I'm just trying to like like if if someone like if I knew for a fact that this is a Marcus Marxist film, I'm trying to think of how I would and I don't know, like what's I what's seizing the means of production, what's the cap I don't know. Yeah. So I think what I think his argument would be is I kept thinking about how there are three people on this boat and so we're we're and they sort of have class distinctions. Sure. And so we, we think about um uh the laborers i guess the cop would be like the rentier class in this and then the bourgeois intellectual and i I would guess jaws is capitalism and coming for them all or something (laughs) 
I don't know. Or, or capitalism <laughs> is putting them in the position to have to fight this to like, you know, uh, I don't know, like capitalism is the only reason they have to face this monster. So the monster is kind of capitalist, leading them into danger, right? Yeah. Huh. I, I, you know, I think there's something to that. Yeah. Maybe. But, um, yeah. Castro's favorite film. Why? Wow, so interesting. I wonder what Che's favorite film is. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm sure uh, someone does. It's probably Motorcycle does. Diaries. Yeah. I was going to say, so I married an axe murderer. But I think he was dead by then. (laughs) I don't know. This is the first funny answer that came into my head. (laughs) Well, should we go into those three characters that you mentioned, Barto, like one by one and just talk about what we thought of them in general and maybe their role in the movie? Absolutely. So is it Matt Hooper or Hopper? I thought it was Hooper. Is it Hopper? I think it's... I think it's Hooper. I think I have a double O. I wrote Hopper, so uh, we uh, gotta go. I with thought it was Hooper. <laughs> no, I think you're. I think you're right. I don't remember. Anyway, that guy. Uh, what'd y'all think of him in general? Um, you guys might hate me for this, but he was my favorite character. Uh, I liked him. Yeah, he just He's seemed funny. like a chill as fuck guy. They're like. He was born rich or whatever, but he seems like the cool rich guy. Like, obviously, the coolest thing would just be, like, passing out all the money. But the next coolest thing is just being a chill guy and just doing what you love because that's what you love. And, and you know, they, they try to quint as, like, oh, you're a wuss because you're just this rich city guy. And But he's like, yeah, I have all these scars because I love fucking sharks and I love going to the sea. When he goes into that... Into the sea the first time where the uh, that broken a boat, you know, Brody's like freaking out and he's like jumping in this water that he knows the sharks feeding him, but he's like, yeah, I'm gonna check this boat out. And at the end, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna jump into the shark cage, and they're all like, oh, the shark's gonna tear that apart. He's like, well, there's no other better idea. I'm gonna fucking do it. Like, he's 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 a rough and tumbling brave guy too uh, so i i don't know i thought he was pretty cool even though he is the rich bourgeoisie he's also the funniest he's constantly definitely uh, cracking jokes and pretty good humored as long as quint isn't getting on his nerves i mean right away when he comes in i admired that he you know he's a scientist who cares about these like his research but he's not doing this because he's some mad scientist in a movie where he's obsessed with his research. He's like, this is fucking real and we need to protect Mm -hmm. this town and I need to go against every single person I just met and convince them that we need to do the right thing and I'm down to get my hands dirty and get involved. Like, fucking awesome. I did like how, to me, he has some a little bit annoying, like, your privilege is showing moments, but they come in later, and I think that's kind of awesome of the movie that, like, you know, Quint seems kind of gnarly to begin with, but then you gain some trust with him, and this guy seems, like, almost perfect, and then you see a little bit of his flaws showing. Like, I think, you know, maybe if you have the privilege to, like, be going on these adventures, you don't compare your scars with a guy who's, like, that's how he makes a living and things like that. But in general, I fucking loved him. I thought he was awesome, and I was super glad he didn't fucking die. Um, yeah, he was great. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I agree with that 
Scar thing, because I felt like that was just like a Bonnie moment between them. Like, yeah, maybe it's not as he's not as hardcore as Quinn, but I think Quinn uh, actually gained a lot of respect for him in that moment because he's like, oh, you're not as, uh, you know, as um, hands off rich kid as much as, you know, I thought you were. You actually do have some scars. Sure. I, I guess it's the way he went about it. He was a little like a smart assiness about it that kind of gave me as a person who like grew up with more privilege than a lot of other people. It made me feel like a little secondhand embarrassment. Um, but that doesn't mean the whole situation was wrong or something. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, a good example of what you're talking about was when they first like really see Jaws on the boat and he starts taking pictures. <laughs> <laughs> totally that makes sense like was it just go out to the fucking end of the end of yeah, the boat right? you know it's like a, you know like who the fuck asked someone to do that <laughs> definitely nothing... let him hold the camera <laughs> you go fucking do it <laughs> to me nothing terrible that makes him like a bad guy just i'm glad they added uh-uh. those beats mm-hmm. that give him yep. complexity depth and make his background make sense but i ultimately think this is like like you were saying, you know, he's someone who took his wealth and used it to do something fucking awesome, um, like just pursue his fascination with sharks, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I think, and then he came in to save the day, and I think that, again, speaks to this sort of, like, Steven Spielberg believes in institutions. And one of those institutions is money. And some of the people with money do bad things with it. But some of the people with money, uh, they are looking out for all the rest of you yokels. Well, and the other institution uh, yeah. might be like science. Like this is this random scientist who, you know, somehow is able to spend his time doing this, which is pretty fucking cool. Um, so, but he obviously like, yeah, is the bourgeoisie intel- intelligentsia like the... I mean, if we're talking about the class divisions, this guy comes from money, yeah. has money. Um, okay. Hey, like Castro. So there you go. maybe that's why Castro likes him. <laughs> totally. Um, what about that Quint? That is a good comparison. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, what about Quint? What do y'all Quint think of him? Quint fucking rules. Like, he starts off, um, you know, like... like the first thing you see him doing is striking, you know, basically mm. withholding his labor, saying, like, nah, that's not enough money to go after this fucking monster. You know, like, pay me a real salary or get fucked. Uh, which is an... And then you see the petite bourgeois motherfuckers who live on this island get into their boats and some of them die and... You know, it's like um, it's not even just video that... Sorry, it's not even just people living on this island. There's a lot of people coming from yeah. outside the island, yeah. right? Um, but it re- it reminded me of when the um, that video of like the CEO of UPS packing boxes on the truck the other day. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like it's these people who don't know what they're fucking doing, not experts, yeah. and think that you don't deserve an expert's wage for this thing and you know that i don't know what a fucking cool move and but he comes off you don't think of it as like a cool move when you first meet him like you think this guy's annoying and crazy um 
And then it's not until like two thirds of the way through when they're like halfway through the trip on the boat that you realize that this dude is like complex and um, sad and, Mm -hmm. you know, all these things other than just like a mad seaman. Totally. I love that opening scene with him where like the he shows how different he is. Like he's literally sitting in a chair faced a different direction than everyone else. And like just so removed and scratching his fingernails on that thing. And like, it's just so, it's just so legit. And I, I can't understand half the words he's saying and I still love everything he says. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to say that just reminds me what you said about the boxes, Barto. My CEO will come in to the trim room where people trim weed all day, every day like you have to get a certain amount of weed trimmed every day or you lose your job and he'll come down sit next to you and trim for 10 minutes and then get that time and or that weight and multiply it by the amount to see what it would be in a day and he's like oh yeah i still got it i'm keeping up with y'all it's like that's not the fucking same there's like endurance there's like you know when you're having a mental health crisis there's all these things but he thinks he's as good as everyone else because of a 10 minute stretch it's like that's wild so fucked up that's wild Charlie, what do you um, think of Quint? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the like one of the first probably ten things I ever said to you was I I love semen, and yeah. I mean, <laughs> and that applies here. Yeah, Quint's pretty. He's a rad dude. Uh, I I did kind of agree with Hooper when he was like, I don't need this working class hero bullshit because yeah. Quint was just like laying it on like so much. Um, this totally. guy and also Quentin is like I can do it by myself and it's like no you fucking couldn't there's no fucking way you could like, Quint every... goes way too far like when Quint's smashing the fucking yeah. equipment to call for help yeah. like or when he just like won't stop revving the the engine and like yeah, and Hooper's like you're gonna kill the boat and he's like oh fuck you the boat's yeah. fine and then yeah uh but uh yeah overall he was awesome his monologue um is amazing that's just that's such a great monologue delivered perfectly so intense uh, yeah uh but i who is that helper guy he has <laughs> yeah you, you see him twice i really thought about him this time i don't yeah. know what, it, what you're talking about when he's okay yeah. at the when you first meet him at the meeting when he leaves, there's a guy that comes with him that, like, grabs some stuff for him and has a dog that follows him out. And then later, when they're getting on the boat to depart, oh, he's, yeah. like, helping him with stuff, like, to bring to the boat. And just, who the hell is this guy? Why is why is <laughs> Quinn, like, I'm, I'm a one-man crew when he has this guy, like, helping him out all the time on land? Like, what the what's going on? What is this? <laughs> is he and just, like, a land like helper? A- yeah, I, I don't know. He's like an Igor figure. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking more yeah. like the the Gimp from Pulp Fiction. Maybe he just has to get back in his <laughs> chest. <laughs> Never seen Pulp Fiction, but uh, I, the, I still get the reference. Yeah, I, I don't know. I forgot about that guy. But yeah, I remember when they're like, what's that guy doing while they're on the... I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe uh, Quince the proletariat and that guy's somehow like the peasant class. I don't know. Um, <laughs> see, why do y'all think Quint like kind of lost it in the end and smashed everything and burned out the, the ship? Like, I mean, maybe we won't know until we talk about what the shark means because maybe it has to do with that, but 
I I would like to come back to that because awesome. I have so many, so many. Mm-hmm. I don't have any answers, but I got a lot of questions. Awesome. <laughs> well, let's jump to Brody then. Obviously, he's a cop, but this is a movie, mm-hmm. so we can we can, you know, say okay things about a cop in a movie. It's it's make believe. Uh, this guy. I mean, what do what really do y'all covering think? Covering your ass there. <laughs> I hate him personally because he's a fucking pig. <laughs> there we go. He's definitely of the of the main three characters, the uh, the worst one. Okay, um, but I, I didn't dislike him, but I definitely rank him as third out of the three. What do you think, Barto? I think he's very good as like as a lens for the audience to view the situation through. Like, he's perfect mm-hmm. for that. And, you know, as an audience Cause... member, you could go fuck yourself, too. Fuck this guy. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, pers- he's I, mean I know us of... three, as cops, we could, like, really... Um, yep. Yeah, as part of uh, CIA, we were all like, yeah, we get this guy. We could change this world <laughs> if, we were, if we had that position, yeah. Totally. But he's... Um, he's afraid of water, so we're afraid of water, and, uh, you know, like, he has this really awesome family to get home to, um, because his wife rules. She's, like, she's someone who's assertive, um, but also, like, listens to her partner's concerns and takes them seriously, and... Uh, is fun and wacky and all that. Yeah, she's just a great character. Yeah, and totally. Like you want to get, you would want him to get home to her and those kids. Absolutely. Um, and so just like as the lens to view this in, he's perfect. Even if he's some, he's kind of like a uh, a jagoff in a handful of ways. Yeah. I mean, as far as someone in his position trying to react to the situations in front of him i don't know i didn't have that much beef with anything he did i was like come on Mm. shut down the beach come on but it's like could he even shut down the beach i don't know is part of his power well they said when he first planned to do the shut down the beach the people came and they're like you need to have a a civil ordinance from the board or whatever so later when she slapped him i was kind of like well, he actually didn't have the power, did he? Yeah, um, but it's just like people saying, like, I, I yeah. fully agree, but he could be flailing his arms on the beach being like, people, oh, there's yeah, actually yeah, a totally, fucking totally. shark. But yeah, it's like, is it, does his power partially come from the fact that the town trusts him and shit? And so, like, mm. if they lose that, if they, you know, like, would it compromise his ability to actually take action? I don't know. Like, most of the time, he works as, like, the moral center of, like, what the audience would do, if that makes sense. To me, at least. Yeah. Uh, right. I do think it's kind of messed up how when the 4th of July happens, I get how he couldn't shut down the beach. The mayor said, no fucking way. But he still lets his son go out. Oh, yeah. Um, and he's like, oh, that's the safe part of the water. You'll be fine there. Totally. Uh, that seemed like some bad fathering right there. <laughs> I think Yeah. if he didn't let his kids in, he would have to face inside himself that he was letting everybody else go in. So, I, yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and that actually deviates from my point before. He's not making the right choices all the time. I can see why he's struggling and making the choices he is, but you're right. That's, yeah. 
that's a big problem for him. Um, I also thought that but, was really neat characterization. Uh, in two things actually. Uh, the way that they never explain why he's afraid of the water. I feel like most uh, scripts they would have some like big reveal of something that happened and and that would be meant to like hit home like oh shit that that traumatic experience he went through so i thought it was really neat that they just completely um shy away from that and that he just says you know i'm afraid of drowning or whatever in the dinner scene uh thought that was some pretty cool script writing and also i thought it was neat how when they're all showing off scars they're all uh you see this he lifts up his shirt to look at a scar in his stomach and um he doesn't mention it at all and i feel like that's a scar he got from city crime or whatever and um i don't know he just Hmm. but he's still like afraid to there's something stopping him from bringing up in the context um i don't know exactly what this says but i thought it was just like a neat little detail yeah interesting I didn't see a scar on his stomach. I guess. Oh, I did he lift up, up his shirt and there wasn't a scar there? I was thinking there. I, I thought he was just. I read it. And I could be totally wrong. Him just sort of being like drunk and like I don't have anything. <laughs> oh, I thought he was looking but at. I could. I be, could be wrong. I thought he was lifting up his I shirt, and like looking. I thought there was like a mark on his stomach there, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that was just like the shadowing, and I mistook it for. Uh, I don't. Scar. I don't remember. Um, no. So I don't know. I like your read on it better, though. <laughs> More interesting than there's. He was just drunk, and there was nothing. While <laughs> while we're touching on his family, uh, Barta, you brought up that Spielberg is really good at depicting families. Is there anything that you that specifically jumped out at you uh, that was Spielbergy here? Um, I mean. Uh, just, I, I think a, a good example is the, um, the scene where they're going out on the boat when it's attached to the harbor and the, he's being like, get out of the ocean. What are you doing in there? And she's like, you know, let him go. Or it, it all kind of, it, again, I know there's like a hokey bit where she like looks at the picture of the shark biting the boat and that's what freaks her out. But like the way, I don't know, just the way they're speaking, it just like feels so natural. It just feels like how parents yell at their kids. Even that, and, I thought that even that hokey bit still felt pretty natural. Maybe it was just yeah. her delivery of it, but I, I thought that mm-hmm. that also felt pretty real. I, I guess, I mean, in the abstract, if you're like, yeah, dad's yelling at the kids and mom says, chill out. Then she looks at a picture sure. of a shark buying a boat. Then she, you know, if you're like, just lay out what it was, mm-hmm. it kind of, it's kind of hokey, but, but it works I like, definitely, really, really well. I liked that, like, they're complex characters who are just kind of, you know, nobody, I don't know. A lot of people write characters as like, I am this and this is what I think. And I'm only going to push this point. But it's like, I liked the idea that he's freaked out of his kids going on a boat because he's reading a book about sharks and there might be a mm-hmm. shark. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, come on, because she's not. And then she looks at the boat and then, or the book and it's just like, 
like I don't know, there was something very human about it that they that somebody yeah. could be hypocritical in a way where like I don't know, we've all had our parents yell at us or a parent yell at us like hypocritical things, and we just have to deal with it as a kid. Um, yeah, and it just yeah, it felt really real. It, it happens like one of the first scenes in the movie where um, the kid comes in, he has the cut, and the dads were like, "Were you playing on that swing set again?" And as he's leaving, the mom goes yeah. and plays on the swing set with the little kid. <laughs> I didn't know. notice that. Like that's great. It all—it's again just something that like this is the thing that he takes very seriously. This is the thing she's her own person. It's a thing that totally. she doesn't take seriously. Um, and and it, like when uh, I forget the boy's name, but when he passes out from shock, like when I was watching that last night i also smoked a very tiny joint with this last night too but when i was when i was watching this last night like i was i was feeling it like when they pulled him on the beach even knowing he was okay you know with the Mm -hmm. younger brother crying and all that stuff like like i have spent 15 minutes with them as like an entire family up until this point and but i'm like I want him to make sure that all of them are okay. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It feels honest. So we have Hooper as like the bourgeois intelligentsia. We have Quint as the working class. And then we have Brody somewhere in between, like maybe middle class, maybe an arm of the state, but definitely someone who believes in the bureaucratic state apparatus, as you mentioned, Barto, mm. uh, before the recording. Like, I kind of I'm kind of interested now to see how they play together and to get to some of the questions you've mentioned having about the film. Yeah, there's that. Uh, I think that scene, just where he's like running out of the police station and talking about these how the files need to be arranged and the new filing system's going to work great if you just <laughs> do your part in it. And this guy comes in all mad and he's just like just. Have him fill out the form. Yeah, Have yeah, him yeah. Fill out he, the form. You know, he's mad like... because there's a uh, truck parked in front of his store with New Hampshire plates. <laughs> right, <laughs> which I'd be mad too. That's state. That's I'd go state to the even real for that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, you know, as soon as the coroner says it wasn't a shark bite. I, you know, I made a mistake and of course I wouldn't lie to you, you know, I'm the coroner, you know, he's like, phew. Yeah. Did, do you, you know. think he actually believed that? I think he was, I, I felt he was like, by... I felt like he wanted to believe it and that yes. gave him like a way to, uh, you know, uh, be like, okay, the beaches can stay open. Yeah. Um, but he didn't actually I, yes. truly believe it. But you, you won't, I think think your own bullshit smells good if you don't like trust this so he has to have some trust in institutions right but i think you're totally right charlie Mm. yeah i don't know he's and then he eventually well again we'll come back here he eventually killed the shark with a gun you know which feels very much like you know like he is the stand-in for the state in some way interesting yeah but if the shark is capitalism, does that mean he killed capitalism? Well, again, this could be a very Marxist-Leninist film. You know, <laughs> this could be about like 
the state actualizing itself or whatever, you know, cru- yeah. using the state to crush capitalism. And... Or the Castro might be right. I don't know. The working class person's boat and ideas and methods were rubbing off, or uh, what's the like? It's like he joined them or some shit. Um, okay, so we have these three gentlemen who represent possibly these three different, you know, classes. The bourgeois, the working class, and somewhere in the middle, Brody, middle class, arm of the state, uh, something like that. And then there's these conflicts that happen. Like, some of them are kind of cl- class conflicts, and some of them, I don't know, but maybe we can talk about these conflicts to get an idea of, like, What's happening with these three classes in this movie? Um, we kind of mentioned the one conflict already, which is Quint's fishing strike, uh, which I definitely did not think of as a strike until you mentioned it, Barto. Mm, but same here. It does feel like that. Sorry, is there more to say about that one, or should we jump to the next? No, I mean, I, I don't think so. I think we we mostly covered it. He he knows he's the only guy in town who could catch a catch a shark and. $3,000 is not going to cut it. And uh, that, I don't know, that fucking rules. What a yeah. what a cool way to introduce yourself by just like knocking on the door yeah. and saying, I'm going on strike and then walking out of the room. No, yeah. I'm not knocking on the door, scratching his fingernails across the chalkboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which, iconic. It's a Simpsons joke to me now more than anything. It's also kind of a... It's it, to me. It's like a if you're looking at him as working class, a statement about this idea of skilled versus unskilled labor. You know, he's like, I'm at the bottom of this, but none of you can do what I can do. Like, yep. let's see, let's see how your classifications work now. You know. Yeah. Yep. So then we have kind of Brody and Hopper or Hooper, sorry, uh, versus the mayor, and I feel like you know, Brody and Hooper are you know, coming from different places, but they kind of have this solidarity that comes through their fight against the city, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means, but it's there. Definitely. It's, I mean, it's, um, you know, I, I, no matter what Jaws is symbolically, at some level, this is, like, the intellectuals um, piping in to tell the people in charge, you know, that something is happening. Like okay. Like the climate scientists the, or whatever. The climate scientists are a great one, you know, or, um, you know, I, this might be jumping ahead a little bit, but like if Jaws is change, you know, the he's the sociologist's. You know, who come in to be like, this is what's going on. Listen to me. And Brody is the part of the state that hears what they're saying and actually listens, where the mayor is the part of the state that doesn't, right? Like, Brody is actually pushed a little by Hooper. Right. Um, And the other thing that, you know... I think he is. If you don't just think of him as the state, which he could be, but I'm not sure, sure. Spielberg does. Um, it, you know, Spielberg is thinking of a cop as a working class person. I think, like a middle class person. Cool. We got to send him um, some zines. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that would rule. <laughs> Start destroying outside of uh, Spielberg's mansion or whatever. If we get uh, up uh, to, you know, whatever, 15 Patreon subscribers, we'll send zines to Steven Spielberg. There we go. <laughs> you mean in addition to the ones I've been sending him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not those kind of zines, Charlie. Not the kind, the kind we can talk about on the air. Mm, boring. <laughs> okay, but yeah, I mean, he's a stand-in for us. Sure. You know, again, and he's the middle-class audience who's just like watching the experts and the, you know. The capitalists, you know, because the mayor is representing the capitalists in this instance. Sure. Or um, so, like he's the experts to, in the state. To Spielberg, he might be like the Democrat, like the person who's actually listening to the the academics saying that there's problems and actually care. I don't know if that makes sense. If Spielberg would think that way, but <clears throat> he wants to put on the mask. He wants to stay six. You know. Uh, uh, Cooper wants us to stay six feet apart for one another and um, <clears throat> Brody is like yeah we should we should probably do that okay <laughs> but isn't necessarily like we should close the schools yeah 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 yeah, yeah. totally let's let's be reasonable here so then you also have Quint this is the this is the most interesting one to me is Quint versus Hooper where it's not all verse, you know, to me, a big part of the whole second half of the film or whatever it is, last third of the film is Brody and Hooper kind of going into Quint's world. And suddenly you're the rest of the characters fall away and it's just this world now. Um, But there is like antagonism and there is the stuff where Quint smashes shit. And I don't know if now is when we talk about it or not. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know how to analyze this, but I did think it was interesting how it starts out where Quint is very antagonistic towards uh, Hooper, and he's very kind of uh, chummy with Brody, and he's just like, totally, you know, kind of uh, uh, nice to Brody, showing him how to do knots, and they're kind of like getting along. And then you get to that part where He's having Brody throw Chum into the water, and Brody's like, "Why don't you have Hooper do this?" And then he's like, "Because Hooper's steering the boat." Yeah. Um, and you get that kind of sense where this kind of you start seeing that he is he him respecting Hooper more, and um, and all of a sudden uh, Brody has is kind of being disrespected, and then you see Brody like bumbling under his breath, like, "Oh." So he can't throw ch- – I forgot exactly what he says, but yeah. he's, like, complaining about it and he's, like, upset about it. Um, Is that before that or after Brody pulls the wrong knot? Um, that was after Brody pulls the wrong okay. knot. Okay. So but I feel like when, that's the moment it turns, maybe. But even when Brody pulled the wrong knot, like, Quint, like, whispers to him, like, next time just ask me which knot to pull. Okay. Um, and uh, Yeah, but, like, in a sweet way. You know, yeah, like, exactly. It was, it was kind of, yeah. like, nice, like, sticking up for him, like, hey, I got your back. Um, okay, but then with that chum, I was like the first time yeah. I noticed this kind of switch, and like all of a sudden Brody's upset that now he has to do this kind of dirty work and throwing the chum out. Uh. Well, Brody's family—that was before I think Brody's family like called in 
you know, oh. and he, you remember, because, like, the first time they see the shark, um, the family calls, and yeah. uh, Quint, like, is basically doesn't connect them, doesn't, like, mm-hmm. tells them a lie and says, get the fuck out of here, you know? Like, yeah. That's, like, there's an intrusion from the outside <laughs> world. I, yeah. I don't know what it is exactly. I don't know if um, this is a thing about um, in order to build a better world without Jaws's, we have to dismantle things like the bourgeois familial system. Yeah, traditional family values. Okay. Yeah, we have to get rid of it all. That's the only way Jaws is dying. But uh, something tells me it's not that one. Yeah, if he didn't die at the end, I might think it's that one. Um, interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point, Charlie. I don't know what it means that... I don't know. I don't know why suddenly... I mean, other than if I'm thinking in the movie, you know, he proves himself. Hooper proves himself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I I just I really noticed that in my rewatch. Um, totally. I I immediately took to... The fact that um, Quint was nicer to Brody right away, and in my like, oh, Brody's the state, and this is Castro loves this movie, which means that this is just like the proles and the state need to turn out, uh, <laughs> work together, and oh, interesting. But I, you know, I don't know totally. But uh, but I I didn't think about the the turn where suddenly he's a little bit harder on Brody and things like that. It's It almost so. feels like, I don't know the order of things, but Hooper shows off in that scene with the scars and his ability to do stuff on the boat that he mm. has done, you know, the boat work, the Quint work, and Brody still hasn't. So Brody has to still, like, pay his dues. He has to show that he can throw chum before he can do anything else. But I don't know. He has to stop whining about the boat size. <laughs> right? That's a big part. Don't it's be afraid of boat. water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we should jump into what Jaws might represent, and that might help us with some of these answers. That's a good question. So, you mentioned this opening scene and what it could mean. Uh, did we talk about that on air already? I can't remember. No. I don't think so. I don't think so go for it Barto. i fucking i love this it never occurred to me when watching it and it's perfect like it just fits to me so jaws the book i can't imagine reading this as a book <laughs> first of all but um uh can i say something really quick about that so apparently yeah. the movie is very different from the book um apparently like the first two-thirds or something are just very very different and spielberg is only interested in kind of following the last kind of like ocean-based stuff and even there like a lot of stuff was kind of rewritten around okay well the first scene is the same is it okay and yeah and it feels very much you know it's this group of i wouldn't call them hippies but you know like uh um, adjacent upper crust mm-hmm. yeah yeah um you know hippie types counter-cultural types they're smoking mm-hmm. weed on the beach um and the the gal gets nude for a swim 
and a fucking shark eats her. It feels very much like like the 60s are gone, motherfucker. We are in a new world. Not just that, but there's um, the implication of this free love idea that like these two people see each other from across the fire or, you know, across the fire hangout area. They don't know who each other are, but they're going to run off and, and probably have sex. That's like the implication. So it's very like yeah. this, you know, free love. Oh, shit. It's not going to happen because something intercedes. Something uh, ends it early. I, I also yeah. think that's interesting that it opens in this, you know, scene of this party. So you have all these people. Uh, these free love hippie type people and then you never see anyone else like that through the rest of the movie You're right yeah yeah because they're i mean I, symbolically I sort of, gone mm-hmm. i think hooper is sort of like that but sure. like you know grown up sure mm-hmm. yeah uh, like he he probably when he was younger kind of hung out at some of those parties down he's then. played a bongo I mean, or two yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but those kids have in the course of that that 24 hours or whatever where this movie starts, they have all transformed into that guy. There are no more hippies <laughs> left. Yep. Good um, point. It's only, you know, and again, this, this is what Jaws could be. It's only, like, crime in New York now. You can't leave your apartment without getting killed, as, as uh, Brody says when he's very drunk. I never uh, thought about the fact that he leaves New York... Be- where he's done with the crime in New York to come here. And then there's just as horrific a thing as if this problem we've only heard about in these urban, you know, strongholds is now everyone's problem, even in Amity. Interesting. Yep. And uh, Jaws could very much to me be um, like the seventies, you know, the, um, the sort of crime wave that was starting the and the reaction to it, you know, like yeah. the war on drugs yeah. and, and all that shit. Like seventies was that's when the sensationalism around crime really just like took off, and it, you felt like it was everywhere, even if it wasn't really. Was that around when the was... time that the Democrats switched to like also being war, like tough on crime, like? Where they were kind of, where they, I don't, I don't remember. There was like this whole shift where the Democrats realized that they could have basically the same messaging as the Republicans and same funding ideas. I mean, but I can't. Yeah, I do think that was, was like... kind of like mid uh, late seventies. Um, okay. You kind of see that along the way with with LBJ, but not totally because I mean he was civil rights president, obviously. But uh, um, and he, but he was like one of the most obvious people to ever. some of us, Charlie. <laughs> Well, he was like one of the most, you just brought up funding. He was like the most corrupt, one of the most corrupt people ever when it comes to funding. Okay. Um, and he was all about his entire life. He was all about just appealing to whoever he was talking to, to the point where like, if you talk to congressmen um, when, back when he was in Congress, they would, be, if you talk to a conservative, they'd be like, oh yeah, LBJ, you know, behind the scenes, he was just as conservative as the, as the rest of us. If you talk to a liberal, it'd be like, oh, you know, yeah, behind the scenes, he was just as liberal as the rest of us. Um, <laughs> so he was just completely self-serving. And gotcha. do anything and take any position as long as it furthered his uh, grasp towards power, which is why you have great stuff like the Great Society and Civil Rights, but then you also have the Vietnam War and yeah. uh, just completely corrupt in terms of funding and stealing elections. 
Okay, yeah, it's just because you contextualize. That was a big divergence. Yeah. I've been reading the LBJ biographies, sorry. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was going to say, this was, uh, when did Nixon become president? Because wasn't he uh, big, uh, tough on crime? Um, yes, he was. Um, goodness, I should know this. We should all know this. Uh, yeah, we definitely should. But uh, yeah, 69 to 73 was Nixon, or to 74, I guess. Um, so that, that all tracks, yeah. you know, that's when the war on drugs started. That's when, uh, did he call it the war on crime? I don't know. I'm not qualified to talk about Nixon in a sure. real way, but yeah. Yeah. And then, but, uh, LBJ had wanted to do a war on poverty. So just saying that's a pretty cool different. war to have. <laughs> okay. So war against sorry about war. all my LBJ digressions. It's <laughs> good. Uh, so, I mean that, yeah, I mean, we're jumping ahead a little bit that Jaws representing crime makes a lot of fucking sense or, or representing this new era, not the sixties anymore. You know, we got to grow up and face the facts. There's fucking criminals out there and you can't have all the things we want and we need to like clamp down on them, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yep. Um, real quick, uh, another fucking part of the movie. So there's that opening scene that's kind of different, separate from the movie in, in some ways that gives a hint as to what this movie's trying to say. I feel like another part that feels a little separate from the movie that's giving, maybe giving a hint, otherwise I don't know why it's there, is uh, the monologue by Quint, the World War II story, which was is like the USS Indiana, I can't remember. Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Is that a real story? I'm assuming it is. Yeah. Okay. It's like the biggest, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I don't like catastrophe, like biggest death rate or whatever of a U.S. Uh, boat of all time or something like that. So what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think it was all shark attacks like he implies here. I think it's also lots of just dying off because they're out there forever in the middle of the ocean but uh a lot of shark attacks a lot of shark attacks yeah damn (laughs) a lot of shark attacks that's real so that five people die a year from sharks is not including you know 1944 (laughs) or whatever that was no it's fucked up zero people a year (laughs) nobody else has ever died from a shark attack (laughs) the number is just all fucked because because of this one outlier that's (laughs) so fucking wild No, that's not I true. I'm, I'm just no, joking. It's actually okay. A, okay. an anti-shark. Uh, the Indianapolis is actually an anti-shark psyop. Uh, yes, from some anti-shark billionaire. Just like street yeah. sharks. A false, false flag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the what sharks. do y'all think oh, is wait. up with this World War II story? Is it just to bring the real, you know, the outside world, the political, into this world, or is it something else? Um. Before that, Trump is famously terrified of sharks, so uh, it was his, the add-on to that that stupid joke, um, he was, his family were the ones funding it. Okay, uh, anyways, back to your important question. Super important. I mean, Steven Spielberg, notably interested in World War II. Sure. You know, that is like a... Um, uh, I don't know what his concern for fascism was because that could also be what the shark is. Shark could be fascism, sure. and 
mm-hmm. this World War II story could be indicative of that and telling us what um, Quint's fears and priorities are. You know, he might be afraid of sharks, but he was also fighting yeah. <laughs> fascists. Well, sort of. Imperialists. Japanese imperialists. I guess that's fascists. Yeah, they're yeah. pretty much fascists. I think it's okay to call well, there's, there's this weird play between, you know, 60s ideas and fascism of like, you know, when society falls apart, which way are we going to go? It's going to be one or the other. It's going to be some more egalitarian, you know, small b- groups of people uh, taking care of each other and kind of thing, or it's going to be fascism. And so, you know, well, it makes sense. Isn't the saying communism or barbarism? That's a saying, yeah. Yeah. It's- I don't know if they were saying that in the the 60s and 70s, though. That feels uh, more recent. Sure. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, Oh, God. What did that just make me think of? Oh, sorry. I remember. You saying, Barto, that he was into World War II... Obviously, there's Schindler's List, but just made me remember uh, Saving Private Ryan. And yes, super liberal. Like, the the army is going to care so much about every individual soldier that we're going to do this whole fucking... Anyway. Just... We're going to do this mission yep. where uh, a bunch of other soldiers die. I don't... Yeah. I actually have never seen the movie. It's a good... It, I mean... That's me what either. I... Really? Think of it. It's a good time. What? Y'all should watch it. I yeah, remember... No, I'm going to. We put on, like, as a family when I was young. But I was, like, really... I don't like war movies or battle movies, so I wasn't really paying attention. Uh, weirdly, there's no battle in the whole movie, so you'll enjoy it. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go turn it on in the background. Okay, so what? We, we, you we lied to me? about how uh, the first scene has no war in it. Uh, <laughs> Jaws could be crime, etc., like whatever. It could be fascism. We talked about, like, the Marxist reading, so it could be, like, Capital's Contradictions, right? Yeah. I mean, they're forced to... Um, everyone is working to... I mean, it's very much like an equal ec- ecological uh, problem, you know? Everyone is reliant on the land and extracting capital from the fact that they're on a beach, but there is another force that is coming from outside the bounds of capitalism to, you know. And another force that's ultimately kind of more natural and has more of a right to be there. Yeah, more of a claim. No doubt. Yeah, more of a... And I think that's one of the... I mean, so in Capital, one of the things that uh, Marx talks about is how capitalism just takes... The natural world, natural resources as free gifts of nature. They don't think about the fact that they're not sustainably taking them. They just think of them as free, every individual Mm -hmm. capitalist. And so that's not sustainable. And that's a contradiction within capitalism. So just the very idea that nature exists and also like the idea that capitalism itself has natural laws of itself or has like laws of motion that you can't get outside and so mm-hmm. I guess I kind of like this idea that, like, eventually you're going to run up into the fact that this can't last forever, no matter what it is, whether it's a small town on an island doing tourism or whether it's global capitalism. Eventually, you're going to run into the truth that, like, shit, you took too much or shit, you can't yeah. outlast everything. 
Um, yeah. So that's an interesting read for sure. Constant, constant need for expansion will, um, and extraction will ultimately lead to that. Yep. There's no uh, infinite growth on a finite planet, all that stuff. Mm. Yeah, man, I swear to God I watched this movie without thinking this was anything but a shark, and I'm digging this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> are there any other ones that, uh, that y'all want to talk about it possibly being? Um, I don't know. Those are the ones that really rolled around in my head. Um, yeah, I don't, those are plenty of totally plenty. Of, I mean, yeah. it, it could be, I'm sure there's somewhere out there that, that, uh, saying that Steven Spielberg is suggesting that Jaws is the threat of Soviet communism, sure. you know, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm totally. sure that exists. That reading exists. I don't, uh, know oh, yeah. how you could justify that with the rest of the text, it's but eating, I'm, I'm sure it's there. It's eating on the poor capitalists, and the capitalists have to fight back and kill it. <laughs> yep, totally, totally. <laughs> That's why they made it such a good well, movie because they had to represent Soviet movies, which are pretty good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, and and I'll I'll say to that point, I guess Quint has to die for you know the. The proles have to may sacrifice themselves in this project to stop Soviet communism, or or the proles lawlessness or whatever. Or the proles have to sacrifice themselves to fight the fascists. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I mean, it works in all of them, right? Who always sacrifices themselves? No. Yeah, that's a good point. Totally. So, yeah. yeah, Quint dying at the end, which, by the way, fucking awesome death. Really glad that death's in the movie. Oh, it looks sick. It rules. Mm-hmm. It, you're right. Like, I hadn't even thought of how, but when y'all just said that, it makes sense for all of it. Like, <laughs> the proles are going to do most of the fighting if the bad thing is capitalism and we're creating a new society. The proles are going to do most of the fighting in all of these situations. Yes. <laughs> totally. Go look at the yeah. army. It's mostly uh, proles are signing up. Um, which is because... why... Republicans are and a bunch of people are uh, responding to like student debt relief, but where where are yeah. we going to get our sacrificial proles? Yeah, <laughs> totally. I mean, but at a completely different thematic level, he also had to die because he was being fucking tormented by sharks yeah. his whole existence, and he needed to yeah face that in that. Way. Also, yeah. he's the and one I... that stranded them and took out their communications, so he kind of had to die because he'd gone too mm-hmm. far. And yeah, he's the one who dick. refused to get a bigger boat, um, <laughs> which would have been fine if they had gotten a bigger boat. Hooper had the money yeah, for think... a fucking yacht. Like, come on. <laughs> Definitely just in terms of um, plot structure, I think someone had to die, yes. and he had more reasons than the other two, that, uh, like we just covered, that thematically there's lots of different things you could read into it which i'm sure that you could find something to read into the other two um as well but i feel like there's a lot at quint where you could really make a case for him being the one to die hooper dying as part of this revolutionary project you know the defeating of jaws the bourgeois intelligentsia uh dying we have sort of um a, a pole potist uh, reading of Jaws on our hands where, you know, 
Okay. <laughs> I don't think either of us are familiar with uh, Pol Pot's uh, specific politics. I'm enough. I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> he wanted to just take like take out the bourgeoisie. Oh yeah, that was. I mean, if there was like, if you were wearing glasses, that was like a sign Hell of yeah. Western intellectualism. Wow. And... Well, I think there's a more cynical reading for the fact that Quint's the one that dies and not the other two, and that might be that Spielberg's target audience is not Quint. I think that's probably correct. All right, y'all. This has been an awesome discussion. I feel like my mind is blown open about this movie, and I feel like I gotta watch it again now. Uh, let's do our awards. Um, Dumb cop of the week. I'll go first this time. I picked a really spicy one, Brody. Uh, <laughs> just for, I mean, he's a cop, and he didn't fucking close the shit. You know, the whole thing we said about letting his kids swim because he didn't, like, you're buying into the bullshit, and I gotta give it to you. It's an obvious answer, I think. Yeah, I mean, I was going to go with Brody for pretty much the same reasons, but also his deputy in the beginning is just, his whole character is about how he's kind of an idiot. Yeah. So I decided to go with him instead, where he like doesn't even trust him to ride on signs that the beach is closed. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, Brody had kind of uh, more um, consequential uh decisions he made but those decisions were also kind of understandable in some ways um so we'll just go with that other dumb deputy you know i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say mayor exhibited some very Definitely. top behavior oh yeah totally just like i want to put a lot of people in danger is very cop mentality 100 percent. and i'm i'm gonna go with the the fucking Riddler of a mayor that yeah. they had going. On. That <laughs> fucking suit with the, Definitely. With the anchors on it. <laughs> All right, who's going first? Praxis Award. Oh shit! You I know, completely forgot about the Praxis Award. Quint, Quint, smashing the radio. Just <laughs> another. Taking another notch out of technology's stronghold on us all. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Um, I almost did that one. He, <laughs> it was too far for me. He, he's, uh, he's, he said, stop being so domesticated, and he smashed that radio. Hell yeah. Um, I'm going with the boy's mom who yells at the cop, because it shook him, and that was fucking sick. Shake those cops, you know? Get them where you can. Absolutely. Good answer. Um, I'm going to go for the karate kids who uh, beat the shit out of that guy's white picket fence. <laughs> who beat the shit out of what? <laughs> there is, in the beginning, when Brody first goes to the station, his his secretary is like, we've been getting a bunch of calls about <laughs> yeah. those uh, karate the kids in the karate class who keep doing karate on the white picket fence and later when he walks out and he walks by the picket fence and you see it's like beaten up with parts broken off so good they fucked it up they're so good at karate <laughs> yeah, that totally. adds to the crime angle of this whole movie too yeah, yeah. i fucking love it good call yes Kids aren't the same anymore. They're they're out on your streets. They know fucking they know karate. karate they, know. they are. They know the Eastern arts. Um, 
Okay, what about favorite shots? Who's for, who's going? I you know, we made fun of Jaws kind of jumping onto the boat earlier. But those shots of him hanging over the edge of the boat with his mouth mm-hmm. open, just I know you think they're silly, but holy shit, they do it for Hell me. Yeah. Those just look awesome. Just nasty creature. Yeah, I still dug them. Um Yeah, there were so many shots just in the end, starting with uh with uh Hooper in the shark cage. Like that's when just you start getting like all these awesome shots of the shark. Yeah. Um but I think my favorite part was uh when Brody was in the cabin and yeah. the shark pops through that and you get these close ups of the shark kind of like biting at him. Those shots felt to me like the most uh most similar to a, a straight up monster horror movie. Nice. It, it felt the most mm-hmm. kind of just some of the angles and the effects, uh, it just it just looked to me like the most straight up horror movie esque. Hell yeah. Um, I'm going to go opposite end of the film. My favorite two shots are one I already mentioned, the crabs on that dead body looked fucking oh, sick. Yeah. And then when Brody is in the uh, house reading the book and the pages are flipping and the reflection of his glasses looked sick as fuck. I really like that. Mm-hmm. The The other quick thing I wanted to touch on was it wasn't a shot, but I thought about this when I was thinking about my favorite shots was the scene, the first scene where Brody is on the beach and there's everyone playing in the water and they're jumping back between, like, um, a woman swimming, a dog, a little kid, like, and that, I've seen this movie several times. I know who gets it. I know who gets eaten, but every single time I watch that sequence, I'm so fucking stressed. I'm uh, worried about the dog. I'm worried about the lady. I'm worried, you know, like one. Hell I yeah. totally agree. I but I one thing about that scene that kind of struck me is uh, the way the dog's death is just very understated. Like it's not even mentioned. You're just left to assume it. Well, I feel like most, at least in modern times. Uh, most movies with something like that, they would, they would make sure to underline that, that the uh-huh. horrific thing happened Good to point. a dog. So I, I thought that was very, very interesting the way it was handled. They did not upstage a child dying. No, you know? totally. No, you're just like left to assume like, Oh, the dog obviously died, but they yeah. don't do anything to drive that home. It is no. wild too. That like second death is a fucking child in this PG movie. Yeah. It's fucking wild. Yeah. Yes. And you really fucking see the kid get it yeah. too. All right, how are we going to rate this sucker? Um, I'm just going to go first. I want to give this movie however many rows of teeth sharks have, that many rows of teeth. Mm. Full rowage. Um, Bart, you're the shark expert. How many rows of teeth do great whites have? Uh, dozens and dozens and dozens. Okay, um, that's that's a good rating. That's yeah. a lot of rows of teeth. Yep. Um... I would call this um, a street shark. Uh, Hell definitely yeah. A street Hell shark yeah. on two rollerblades with biting action. Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hell yeah. I never watched street, or I barely ever watched street sharks, but they had some really good gummy uh, fruit snacks. Yes, they um, did. 
first of all, sharks are believed to be older than the rings of Saturn. Hell yes. yeah. Um, and I am going to rate this. All the teeth of the sea. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Which, if you don't know, the Italian, or maybe it's, I think the French title of this was Teeth of the Sea. Nice. Um, which is an awesome That's title. So That's good. a great title. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. And there's a pretty cool post-rock band that named themselves after that. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That's such a post-rock band name. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. They nailed that. That rules. All right. We good for me to take us out? Yeah, dude. It just Thanks for bringing me aboard. It's like to do this every week or two Hell weeks yeah. or however, however often we do this. Thank you for coming aboard, but watch out. Dunna, dunna, dunna. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, our new co-host just got eaten. I guess he's never coming back. We're no. stoked to have you here, Barto. Uh, I mean, we were stoked to have you here. Just kidding. So glad to have you here. I'm. You didn't get eaten by a shark. I'm, I hope you didn't oh, believe me. And you, kind listener, we're stoked to have you here also. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, as you know, at NoGodsPod. You can email us, NoGodsPod at gmail.com. And let us know, what do you think the shark is? We, we want to know what you think the shark is, even if it's something we covered or something we didn't cover. Please do it. We're lonely. It's just the three I, of us here. I Reach got out. another mm. question, too. Not only if you if you don't have any other ideas on what the shark is, what is the boat? I feel like the boat Hell is yeah. the fucking character in this movie. And I don't know what it is. I've been yeah. racking my brain with it. Dear listener, help us out. It, it represents whales. That would be fucked up. Oh, wait, the country <laughs> or the animal? Uh, the animal. It's called the orca. Oh. Um, oh, okay. And That's right. the fact that it is peaceful and trying to take down capitalism, but capitalism hates whales and has no fear of wow. tearing apart whales. So the shark tears it apart. Oh, wait, no. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, if that's, you have any right dissenting right. viewpoints to that, please let us know. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to support the show, just hunt whatever the shark is in your life. Unless it's an actual shark. So, yeah, please don't <laughs> hunt sharks. Thank you. Thank you, Charlie. <laughs>